I am next, but I would like to wait till the four minutes until I'm supposed to start because I gave that time out to a few people so we can work or whatever. <laughs> and, um, and, uh, my yeah, I have 531 Eastern, so we've got four minutes if my clock is accurate. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, I didn't get to come to any of the other sessions today, but I came to a few on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh huh. Yeah, it's one I'll, I'll listen to for sure when we get our replay links. Never heard of them that the results had a lot to do with the way you did it. Yeah, I came in just in time for the very end of the discussion about masculine and feminine work roles, and that certainly comes into play, um, as many other dynamics do as well. Mm -hmm. Mary Lynn Pelican, who's the person in your background? Oh, there, okay, yeah, she was hidden by, by the real Mary Lynn. <laughs> yeah, they do. It's it's interesting to have two Mary Lynns on the call with different spellings. Ha. <laughs> yep.
Yeah, you you mentioned that I think it was on Greg Acuna's call. Yeah. Sounds good. So Mary Lynn Harris, it's it's now our starting time. <laughs> Okay, thanks, Marilyn. Um, I'm going to share my screen and start. Are people seeing it? Okay, good. Yeah, I just needed to make sure I had it. Okay, so this, many of the presentations I've been to at this conference have been about the internal dimension of kindness in the workplace. There was at least one other that was focused externally, and I'm going to be talking about basically kindness as a marketing strategy and as a social change uh, trigger. So this slide will show up again at the end, so you can get that email and get the copy of the slides. And I'm going to start with talking about some people who changed the world through kindness: Rosa Parks, Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, Emma Gonzalez. Um, this woman, her name is Stephanie Semperi Gonzalo, and she makes masks that people who have hard of hearing can give to their friends and colleagues and can read lips. So there's a business opportunity in being kind. Here's another one, vertical gardening, perfect for tiny little New York City apartments or apartments in, in parts of the world where a new tiny New York City apartment would be considered huge. Um, having a fresh food supply is a very kind act. This is Grayston Bakery's uh, labeling and packaging operation. Grayston is one of the most interesting companies I've ever come across. If you've eaten Ben and Jerry's flavors that have brownies in them, you've had their stuff. They have this as their employment policy. You put your name on a list. When it's your turn, you get offered a job. Ex-felon, ex-addict, ex-mental patient, whatever, your name comes to the top, you get a job. You also get the training necessary to make that job work and then you are able after a couple of years you've got some solid experience on your resume maybe you've been promoted to manager just an incredible company built in kindness so this is a company called patty cake doll company they make dolls in many ethnic and racial varieties uh, different genders uh, different cultures and this is a real kindness to people who go to a toy store and don't see people who look like them as well as to boys who want to play with dolls that are not named gi joe Here's a kindness to people with mobility issues. This is a little car called the kangaroo. It didn't actually come to market, but what a cool idea. You roll yourself in, strap yourself down, close the tailgate and off you go. No waiting three hours for the paratransit. Uh, you know, no standing or sitting waiting uh, for a business to recognize that you're there and you need help. It's just, uh, this is the kind of creativity that, that we really can do amazing things with this is my daughter's gluten-free vegetarian food blog catering to people with many different kinds of food sensitivities. It's called thesmilingonion.com. She happens to be a really good writer and a very creative chef who is a graduate of the National, Natural 
Gourmet Institute. And, uh, you know, all her personal chefing and all her recipes are for people who don't find what they need in the traditional places. So these are two examples of monetizing kindness in a big way. One, of course, is Oprah, and the other is PBS. Fred Rogers himself didn't really monetize his kindness, but PBS monetized Mr. Rogers, monetized Sesame Street, Barney. They have a lot of programs that really focus on kindness. And why is this not advancing? Uh-oh. Um, let me... Ay, ay, ay. Hold on a second. I'm going to stop sharing, figure out what's going on. Um, why my slides are not advancing. Ah, there we go. Okay, I'm going to start screen sharing again. Oh, come on. For some reason, Zoom just stopped letting me advance the screen. So I'm going to try it again. Um, okay, now. I don't know what is going on here. Um, I'm just going to. All right, that's good. I, I think I'm going to try a different computer. <laughs> I apologize. Um, <laughs> this is very very bizarre because it's it's not sharing the screen i'm going to try one more time i'm gonna exit mm -hmm. yeah well, this is actually google um slide thing. Um, I'm just going to try one more time. Let's see if I hopefully, let's try. Okay, I've got it up on the screen. I'm hitting presentation mode. And now I'm going to try one more time to share it from this computer, which will be considerably faster than the other computer. Okay, share screen. It's not there. All right. Um, Switching. All right. Ah, now it's showing up. Okay, we'll try this again. You can see my slide is small now. Oh, I didn't. 
There we go. And all right. Wouldn't be a presentation without some technical difficulties, right? So here are some of the many business advantages of kindness. Um, I'll highlight a couple of these. It's easy to get media coverage. You can open new markets. Your customers, your vendors, your staff are all really excited. They become, we have the other Mary Lynn is an ambassador of fun. Well, these people could be ambassadors for your brand. That's pretty cool too. So you will hear the naysayers, of course. They'll tell you you can only focus on profit, the Milton Friedman approach. You can say that they'll, you will hear that we should just do our good works through charity and not in the business, tell you to go start a nonprofit. And of course, they'll tell you that this won't work here. And we know better. <laughs> the interesting thing is that blue arrow pointing down into the left is you can actually win over the bean counters because the truth is this is a very, very profitable approach. If you think about that, a business's biggest challenge often is bringing in new customers. And if you have customers that are going out and recruiting other customers for you and coming back, that challenge goes away and your cost of a sale goes way down. There are also many, many benefits. There are things working not even just in tandem, but three or four things at once that you can address with a single initiative. I'll have some examples as we go through. So this is why I don't put too much emphasis on charity. Charity's fine, but people need to vet them. Uh, the new generation, people my kids' age, they don't want it clutched on. They want it built into the beginning of the company. And the idea of doing bad things while funding good things is pretty much outmoded. You do have things like uh, cigarette companies sponsoring PBS and whatnot, but people are not as convinced that the company has their interest at heart anymore. We know too much. So here are some examples of the for-profit model. It's nimbler. It has more resources. It's easy to form partnerships with nonprofits. They love to partner with successful businesses. Uh, we have access to some of the subject experts and it's self-funding because you sell stuff and then pays for your, your um, initiatives. So here are four principles that I'm gonna talk about. Give you a second. Dumping lim limiting assumptions. I am talking to you from a farmhouse built in 1743. When my house was built, the common wisdom was that humans were never going to go faster than a horse. Anybody know what this picture is? It's the International Space Station. It's the space station. Space station. It goes 17,500 17, miles per hour. That's a lot of horses. Love this quote from Muhammad Ali. I built a whole TEDx talk on it. Impossible is not a fact, it's an opinion. Impossible is not a declaration, it's a dare. So let's talk about what's impossible. People like Rosa Parks, like Melissa, Martin Luther King, Mandela, Gandhi, Mother Teresa, they were ordinary people who did things that we would consider impossible, except we know better because they did them. All of us can do impossible things. These are some questions when you run into barriers and you find that things are not working the way you want to and you want to try again, here are some frameworks to make that happen. You have to dig a little and find out why it didn't work and what's different and how you can really convey that power in through your entire organization. 
So abundance, I love the idea of abundance. I talk about abundance and not sustainability and that uh, the arrow is covering up the number 10, uh, which was correct on the other computer, so it goes. Um, obviously these are ears of corn and one kernel of corn produce thousands and thousands of kernels as it grows into a plant. My friend John um, <clears throat> Kramer calls that biological marketing. And conservation is a way of getting to abundance. Uh, there's a carpet company called Interface, a real leader in sustainability. They had one part of one of their processes in one of their factories where they had a lot of curvy narrow pipes. They yanked them out and pick, put in big fat straight ones like these. And they saved 92% of the energy they were using in that part of the process. Now, food waste has got to go. Food waste is uh, an anathema to abundance. We do not have so much food that we can throw it away. And yet we're throwing away 30 to 40% typically. Most of it perfectly good. Our daughter has a membership to uh, a food company called Imperfect. And they sell her the, the tomatoes that are a little misshapen, the eggplants with Richard Nixon noses. It's all perfectly good. Um, and these are, at the bottom, you'll see some of the resources we would save if we stopped throwing all that away. Oh, no, not again. Okay, good. This is one of my mantras, is teaching people how to brush their teeth with a couple of tablespoons of water instead of gallons. Instead of turning on the faucet full and leaving it on the whole time, you turn it on, wet your toothbrush, turn it off, add the toothpaste, brush your teeth, turn it on, rinse the toothbrush, turn it off. Think about how much water we could, <laughs> we could supply drinking water to the desert if everybody did that. So John Todd is a wonderful uh, engineer. They call him the Gossamer engineer. And he said, nature's intelligence can reduce negative human impact by 90%. The spider web we are looking at is a great example of imitating nature. Because if you brought a spider web up to human scale, and keep in mind, this is something made only from dead flies and water, it would be strong enough to stop a flying jet plane. So when you want to know about bridges, ask a spider. So here are two examples of working backward from the goal. Thomas Edison was asked, how does it feel to fail 10,000 times? And he said, I invented a light bulb. They weren't failures, it was a 10,000 step process. And Steve Jobs' command to his engineers when the iPad, iPod was being developed is to give him something that could hold a thousand songs and fit in a pocket, not to build a better Walkman. So here's a little creativity action that Dina, my wife, who was on this call, and I, uh, it's already 20 years ago. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is the view from our backyard. You're looking at Skinner State Park and the Barstow Farm. And the next mountain over, a developer decided was going to be the perfect place to put 40 big McMansions going all the way up to the ridge line. And all the experts said, oh, this is terrible. There's nothing we can do. And we organized a movement and we stopped this thing in 13 months flat. I knew we'd win, but I thought it would take us five years. Okay, this is a company called D-Light, one of many companies that are making solar LED lights uh, to replace horrible, toxic, flammable, unsafe, poor quality light, kerosene. So you get all of those benefits 
of eliminating the fires, eliminating the toxicity, giving a good enough quality of light that kids like these can do their homework, get better grades, get better jobs. Maybe their parents can start a cottage industry in the evenings after a day of agriculture. Life-changing. And their economic model is they're selling them at a profit, but they're selling it on a time basis. So if you were paying $2 a month for kerosene, and that's, let's say, 10% of your monthly income, you pay the same $2 a month for 10 months to buy the lamp, and then you're done, and that two months, that $2 becomes part of your available net financial resources. So it becomes ladder out of poverty. They've just gotten a 10% boost in their earnings. So when you're marketing a kind company, you want to have a message of self-interest and a message of global purpose. And in your operations, you want to carry that out and do it in a way that's more economical and superior. And when you do those things, you're going to hit both of the marketing points. Everywhere you look, you see opportunities for kind businesses. Here are a few of them. And again, at the end, I will leave the slide up about how to get the slides. And any sector you can name, there's a way to do it with kindness and with green principles and with a social good. So here are a few of the specific opportunities. Uh, resilient infrastructure, selling products and services make a difference, designing multiple solutions to multiple problems with one product, training people. And we'll look at two specific industries that are very closely related to each other. This one's food and the next one's energy. You'll see some of those same points on this slide and the next slide. And I wanna just talk about one cool new technology that I came across, which is a Frisbee-sized hydroelectric plant. No dam necessary, it sits in the river and catches the flow, the power of the water going by. Very environmentally friendly, very portable, able to be deployed in all sorts of places where you could never deploy a dam. So resource wars are something that these strategies can actually end. Most wars are either about ethnic conflict or about resources. And when you look at the ethnic conflict ones closely, it's usually ultimately about resources. This goes at least as far back to the Old Testament. <laughs> there is a discussion of, of uh, Abraham and one of his neighbors in, in Canaan having a discussion about water rights in the Bible. Everybody knows what building this is uh, in my native city of New York. Uh, they were built, this, the Empire State Building was built in 1931. In 1931, oil was almost free. It was literally, you could get a few gallons for a dollar. But by the 2000s, this thing had a monster energy bill. So they brought in a consortium of companies to do a $13 million retrofit. It was not cheap, but it saved them $4.5 million every year in energy. And that works out to a 100% return in investment in just three years. You tell me any investment in the stock market or in a bank account that's gonna give you 33% ROI in a year, you're not gonna find it. One of the people involved with that was one of my heroes, Amory Lovins. This is his house built in the hills outside of Aspen, Colorado where the main industry is based on it being cold. This house built in 1984 doesn't have a furnace and doesn't need one. It's warm and comfortable in there. 
doesn't have AC either because it's cool and comfortable in the summer. He's actually growing bananas in the sunroom in Aspen. And the costs by designing from the beginning, by using multiple benefits and some of the other strategies, the extra cost in building this house versus a conventional house were paid for in just 10 months. Oh, and here's the residential portion, this is a home and office, had when I heard him speak a $5 electric bill. So think about what that would be like if all the houses we built since 1984 were designed like that. We wouldn't need any more fossil or nuclear power plants. We'd have a lot of money freed up for the transition to 100% renewable, which we need to do. And we wouldn't be worried about a carbon footprint because we'd have solved it. So here's an example of an integrated system in Burlington, Vermont called the Intervale. Okay, there is a brewery on site. When the brewery is done with the grain, they grow shiitake mushrooms. When the mushrooms have been harvested, that goes to feed tilapia. The fish waste enriches greens and herbs, which in turn helps to grow the, brain, grow the grain for the beer. And meanwhile, they're isolating, capturing, and reselling heavy metals and pollutants and the waste heat from the power plant. Pretty cool, huh? So I'm gonna switch lenses now and talk about all of us as kind consumers, as well as kind business owners and managers and staff. We can use all of these things, our money, our networks and connections, our organizing ability and our influence to start and support movements. And this is some of the many, many statistics. When I was researching my book, Guerrilla Marketing to Heal the World, I found over and over again that there's a huge amount of support for social businesses. The social enterprise, if you have a choice between cold corporate haagen and something like Ben & Jerry's that's hiring a brownie company that will hire unemployables, where are you gonna put your four bucks? So this link, goingbeyondsustainability.com slash freebies has all sorts of goodies for you. One of the goodies it has is an assessment tool to see how ready you are to do this kind of work in your own business. And because you're on this call, if you mention that, normally it's a 15 minute free consult, I will double that. I'll give you a whole half hour to explore what sorts of things might work in your business, what steps you might need to take to get there, what kinds of nonprofits or other corporations can you partner with, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And this is my latest book, Guerrilla Marketing to Heal, World, Heal the World. Jack Canfield wrote a blurb on the front cover. Seth Godin wrote a blurb on the back cover. It has guest essays by Francis Moore LePay, author of Diet for a Small Planet and a bunch of books on food and democracy. And it has a guest essay from Cynthia Kersey, author of Unstoppable and Unstoppable Women. And I have to tell you of the 10 books I've done, this is by far the best. And on the freebies page, there's a sampler which has a few of the, the excerpts on it, but I would encourage you to think about reading this book. It could change your life. And then these are some of the ways that I might be able to work together with you after we have that half an hour call. I can help you with the product ideation. I can help you with the marketing. I can help you with greening your business and I can help you with forming partnerships among other things. And that can happen obviously through the books, through individual work, through talks like this, through small group formats like masterminds, media training, or whatever you need. I will work with you to do whatever you need. And this is my question for all of you. 
And I would love to hear answers. My contact information is on the next slide uh, with how to get copies of this presentation. And I am ready for your questions. That's because you've been following me for a decade or so. <laughs> yeah, and you've done great work in this sphere of kindness. Um, Okay, well, if everybody's got my email address, I'll, I'll move into, I'll, I'll stop share. That's, I'll stop share. There. Okay. You're welcome. With your dollars, with your volunteer hours, with your organizing ability, you can vote in a lot of ways, even if you might not be a citizen of where you live now. Um, and you can also do things like uh, you can contact legislators, even if you're a non-voter. Um, you know, I, I have contacted uh, governments in countries that I don't live in sometimes and certainly am not a citizen of. Uh, there's, I mean, I come to this work, I have more than 50 years as an activist and almost 50 years as a marketer. So for me, the, the ability to brand, braid these things together has been a very, very exciting this last decade or so. <laughs> and I did it quickly too. I, it's kind of funny. The first time I ran through, I was like 10 minutes over and I cut out a few slides. And then the next time I ran through, I was 10 minutes short. So I put some of them back. And uh, even despite um, that, you know, four or five minutes when we were looking, I was looking for the advance button on the slides, I still ended on time. So I feel good about that. <laughs> Yeah, and kindness, it breaks down people's resistance. You know, it's, uh, if you are kind, then other people will do favors for you. Other people will take a meeting. Other, other people will want your success. 
Um, if you come from the dog-eat-dog -dog world, that's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. Thank you, it was a pleasure. No, I was not on her call.
<laughs> yeah, I, I two comments. One is that in my 20s, which is now close to 40 years ago, I actually decided I was going to have a happy life. And I always refer to it as the best decision I ever made. So this is something where if you don't feel like you have one now, you have the power to change it. Um, yeah, and, and there's, of course, the, the very famous Viktor Frankl and, and other people who were just in horrible conditions in the Holocaust, and they found ways. Um, uh, he wrote a book called Man's Search for Meaning, um, which I haven't read, but I've read about. And, you know, so even if, if people in a situation like that can find happiness and meaning, then the rest of us who are living in real houses and having our community and having our Zoom calls in this time of quarantine, and then the other thing, um, much more recently, two years ago, I started posting a daily public gratitude journal on Facebook. And 
I have not missed a day. I've missed a day in posting, but I haven't missed a day writing about it. If I'm traveling and have bad internet, I might post three, four days at once. Um, but every single day since March 2018, I have been chronicling the good things that happened to me that day, or the ones, or some of them. I mean, I, I don't really want to write 2,000 words a day, <laughs> which is what it would take. But I find that because I am now actively looking for what's going on good in my life, so I have something to write about, I'm finding more. And I could write 2,000 words every day. Oh. Yes, the power of water. Great book.
iridescent. Oh, asymmetrical.
We need a, a couple comments. Um, one is I just absolutely loved first the story of watching Patch Adams and your friend wanted to walk out and you of course wanted to stay. It's a wonderful movie. Um, but also you talked about the herbs used in Indian culture, Native American cultures, many tribes burn sage. And I found that to be deeply purifying if I'm in a really bad mood, um, that is such a bad mood that I can't even cure myself by walking in, on the mountain. Um, burning sage is something I will do sometimes. And also this the idea that it's, it's never too late to, uh, I have a friend who had a bumper sticker on her car that said it's never too late to have a happy childhood, which she did not have a happy childhood, but she's had a happy adulthood. Um, and I, I'm thinking of the very famous painter, Grandma Moses. You know how old she was when she started painting? That's when she stopped. She stopped when she died at 98, but she was 77. <laughs> before she ever painted. And we don't remember her for being a farm wife. We remember her for being a great painter. And, uh, you, you're never too late. Uh, the, I worked um, in my long ago youth, I, I spent a year and a half as a VISTA volunteer organizer for the Grey Panthers. They were founded by a woman who was forcibly retired when she was 65. And she's like, I'm not done yet. And too bad, out you go. So she started an old people's rights national movement. <laughs> And um, yeah, I, I, I've been very fortunate to have really good models for growing old. Actually, a friend of mine who died about a year ago at 100 came to, I, I had um, done some work in immigration justice, including two trips to areas where we could observe and, and volunteer. And we had just come back from the first of those trips to Homestead, Florida last summer. And we were doing one of our public talkbacks. And two weeks before she died, she's at this meeting taking notes. 100 years old. Heard of it, I don't know what it is.
Shukri Arena, that, that was Thanks so much, Mary.